Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 30. Paul writing to the Christians who were in Rome, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And not only they, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting the the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now he himself... he. I'm sorry, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he, God, foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, Whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Father, we come before you and we pray, Lord, that you would bless this time together. We pray, Lord, that we would glean from your word. That we would pick the ripe fruit. We would pick the fruit that is on the ground. We would pick any edible uh, substance, Lord, that you lay out there for us. Lord, make us aware. Make us cognizant of those nuggets that are there for us to grab a hold of, place in our minds, sink into our hearts, sift out through our, our lives and become a part of each and every one of us. Lord, may we learn from your word today and leave here today knowing not only you better, but knowing what it is that you desire us to be, to do for the rest of our lives. We have before us a brand new year. For many, maybe looking at it as a clean slate, that's okay. You are in the business of clean slates do-overs new beginnings thank you Lord for that I pray Lord that you would speak to us now challenge us, change us in Jesus name Amen, Amen. you may be seated <clears throat> remember the last time we were together I, as I was talking about in verse uh, 18 
Paul, he writes, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And you remember last time, what we did is we focused on two different words, the word suffering, the word suffering, which was pathema, which, which literally means to suffer, but it carries this, this, this idea that it's that which is suffered. And, and so it's the, the, the suffering that we endure upon the face of this earth. It's the things that we suffer because of the cause of Christ, because of, of our life as a Christian, the life that God has called us to, to live, we will suffer many things. And yes, there might even be illnesses. Yes, there might even be injuries. Yes, there might even be tragedies. And we suffer those things. And Paul looks at that and he says, I do not consider that these sufferings are worthy to be compared to the glory. And that word glory is the word doxa in the Greek, which literally means brightness, splendor, magnificent, glory, excellence, and majesty. It's the majesty of heaven. It's the majesty of God. It's the majesty of what awaits us. And I I fear that sometimes we lose sight of the the future that God has for us. I, I, I feel that sometimes I feel I sometimes lose sight of heaven because of the things that I'm enduring today. Do I have an amen on that? Or do you have that also? Do you have that, uh, that, that feeling at times that the things that you're enduring, that you're suffering today are so overwhelming, that they're so big, that they're so great, and they're so grand in your life that you just can't get your eyes and your, your mind around them to see heaven any longer? And, and it's, it's, Paul is, is trying to take verse 18 and he's trying to, and I, I like to use this illustration as I take my Bible and I put it up next to my face and I, I would consider, not the Bible, but consider this as being a problem. Make this be your issue. Is it an illness? Is it a tragedy? Is it a financial difficulty? Is it a, is it a broken relationship? Is it an addiction? Is it, is it a lack? Is it whatever that is? Whatever that is, that that is sitting here and sometimes we can't see beyond the problem to heaven because the thing is so far before is so close before our eyes and so close before our minds and before our hearts that that it seems like everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we every day that we live, this thing is just there. It's just there. And and it's like that Mucinex slob, you know, he's just like right here, you know, and he's just following along. And what Paul's saying is saying, you know what, there are sufferings. But put them in their context. Let's say you have the most horrible life upon the face of this earth. But this life is going to be what from zero to 120. Let's just use that term because God said back in the book of Genesis, man's years will be now 120 years old. Basically saying, man's not going to live much longer than 120 any longer. I mean, there's not going to be any more 969s like Methuselah. You know, we're, we're going to have, you know, or 950 like Noah. We're going to have man living no more than about 120 years, max. Now, how many of you want to live to be 120? I don't know that I want to. I don't want to outlive all my friends and family and son, you know, and his kids, you know. I, I just take me, Lord, you know. 
let it be quick and let it be good. Let it be let it be a good thing, you know. Let it be a uh, you know. I'd love to die in a pulpit, you know. I've heard of pastors dying in pulpits, you know. Um, I remember a few years ago. Yeah, I know. No, that, but there was a pastor a few years ago that was sitting in there going, I pray that if, when God takes me, that he takes me in the pulpit. And by the end of his message, he said amen, and he fell over dead. You know, And you're going, well, that was a good way to go. <laughs> I, you know, it's just, that's just the best way to go. I mean, good job. You won. You know, you did it. Um, I mean, there may be some other ways that you want to go, but I mean, you know, to a pastor, that's kind of a cool thing. Doing what you were called to do and dying in that vein. I look at Pastor Chuck. The guy was on the radio two days. I think maybe it was a day before he passed away and went home. Just going, Lord, that's the way to go. That's the way to go. But here's the thing. From zero to, say, 120 years old, you're not going to live much longer than that. However long you're going to live. Let's say that you have the most horrible life for all of those years, and yet you remain faithful to the Lord. Yet you look at the Lord and go, you know what, God, I don't, I don't understand why I've endured these things. I don't understand. I don't understand. But Lord, I will not deny you. As Job said to his wife, his wife was just that, she had that spirit of encouragement. Because she said to Job, in the midst of his major struggle, in the midst of, in the midst of his massive tragedy throughout his, his life, kids gone, his sustenance gone, his, his, you know, his uh, uh, livestock gone, his servants gone, everything gone. And Job's wife, Miss Encouragement, says, why don't you just curse God and die? And I love Job's response. Though the Lord slay me, yet I will not deny him. What a resolve. He's a guy that got it. God, help us to get that lesson. Help us to get that message. Help us to get that understanding and that life that says, no matter what, I will not deny you. I won't do it. Because as Paul says, the sufferings of this present time are not, they're not even worthy to be compared to the glory as bad as the, the struggle and, the, and the, the sufferings are today, the blessing that for the 120 years, say, 80, 90 years that you're on the face of this earth, there's coming a time that has no end, which there will never be another suffering in your life. There's going to be a glorious place. That's what he was saying. Glory. Let me just give you an idea of that. That is splendor. It's not worthy to be. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the splendor that awaits you. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the brightness that awaits you. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory 
that awaits you. The sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared to the magnificence that awaits you. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the excellence of that awaits you. And the, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the majesty that awaits you. Think about that. The majesty, splendor, excellence, brightness, glory, magnificence. That's in heaven. And the thing is, that doesn't end after 120 years. In fact, you've just that's like you just woke up and that's not even you just woke up in the morning. You know, that's not even, you know, a, a second in heaven. Not even a quarter of a second in heaven. And, and, and Paul, he sets the stage for you and I for what we're going to talk about here in just a second. As we move into our text today. He was saying, I want you to have a frame of mind here that says, though you have sufferings in your life, move them away. Put them in the proper perspective to where you can see heaven. Because if you hold your problem, if you hold your suffering too close, you won't see heaven. It'll blind your eyes. And you will live a miserable life. What a horrible thing to live a miserable life upon the face of this earth because of the troubles that you encounter when in all actuality, if you think about it, God has allowed it. For whatever reason... And for, for, for whatever purpose, God did allow this. And I don't understand all those things. And I don't understand why he would allow certain things in some people's lives and other things in other people's, and, and not some of those things in other people's lives. Some people, man, you look at them and you go, my goodness, you've gone through a lot. And you look at others and go, you know what? You really haven't had a whole lot of major struggle in your life. Now, you might have had your own personal struggle and what have you, but compared to this... I consider myself that person. I mean, I've, you know, I haven't really had major issues in my life. Not compared to others. I look at them and I, I'm thankful that the Lord hasn't allowed me to go through that. And, and I oftentimes think, Lord, is it because I'm weak? I'm not asking for it, Lord. But when I look at those that have gone through situations that are just unbearable, that I would consider unbearable, I then look at those people and I see their walks with the Lord and I look at them and I think, these guys are the heroes of our faith, of our, of our modern day faith. Because here's the thing, I don't know, I, I don't know if, if I could actually do what they did. God saw the strength in them and he allowed them to endure and persevere through those times and they still have a heavenly perspective in God. How do they do it? Let them rub off on me somehow. I don't know. But God, you deem them worthy to go through a suffering like that in order to prove that you're big enough to handle anything. And I know that they have down times. I know that they have difficult days. I understand that. I know that. I, I mean, not understand it. But I, I, I look at that and I just go, but they remain faithful. And I look at that and I just go, man, Lord, 
you teach lessons through them that they never think. In those lonely times, they're thinking, I don't know that anybody really understands what I'm going through. Oh, there's so many eyes upon people that go through difficult times when their eyes remain heavenly. That the ministry that they have accomplished in their life, just through their life, has meant more than maybe a pastor who's been in a pulpit for 25 years. Because they see it on a day-by-day basis. They don't just hear it from a pulpit. They see it. I see it. You see it. We see it. So Paul says, hey, don't, don't let the sufferings of this present time become so big and so grand in your eyes that, that it obscures your view of heaven. Because in heaven, it's glorious. It's glorious. It awaits you. And then Paul goes on, he says, okay, now with that understanding, he says, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know, that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Let me read it in a different translation. Maybe it will help a little bit, and then I'll, I'll make some comments. I'm reading now. I read that out of the New King James Version. I'll read this out of a New Living Translation. Some of you guys might be reading out of that right now. I don't know. But it says this, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But, with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. You notice that Paul uses the word creation there. The word creation there in the Greek is katesis. Katesis. K-T-I-S-I-S. That's kind of a bad spelling for today right now and understanding I-S-I-S. You know, we don't really like that right now. K-T-I-S-I-S. Katesis. That literally means the original formation. That literally means the creation that God Spoken to existence. He's saying, the earnest, earnest expectation of the creation that I spoke into existence eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Against its will, all creation that I spoke into existence was subjected to God's curse. Now the word earnest expectation. It's actually two words uh, that, that are put together. Uh, in the, we had to translate. When it translated, it broke up into two words, but it's actually one word. Earnest expectation is literally one word. It's kind of a fun word to say. Apo, wait, let me see if I can do this. Apokaro, 
apo. I loved how it said it. How it apocaradokia, apocaradokia, apocaradokia. That's what I started doing. Apocaradokia, apocaradokia, apocaradokia. I got some kind of a fun word to say. Apocaradokia. Some of you are thinking about a little Kia, huh? Because that's car and Kia in there, right? Apocaradokia. Literally means an attentive or earnest expectation or looking for as with the neck stretched out and the head thrust forward. Think about this. Think about this for a second. The original creation that God spoke into existence with its neck thrust out and its chest out and its veins popping out on its neck, reaching out with earnest expectation. It, now, if you're any kind of sport watcher or, or you know, you've watched your kids in sports or something like that and, and you, you, you see, you know, a game on TV or something like that, maybe it's a field goal at the end of a game, at the end of regulation and, and, and a field goal kicker is going to kick and it's going to send somebody to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl or something like that and you're sitting there and the guy kicks it and it's kind of starting to veer off to one side. What do you do? You go... And, and it and it just slips just on the inside of the inside of the goal and you scream up hey you jump up yeah or if it goes off you go oh and you kind of your head kind of goes back you know the veins stop well the veins probably are still out but you're you know you your earnest expectation you that's think about that's what that's what Paul's saying that's what the world's doing right now that's what all of creation is doing right now Lord, now, when? Think about it. It would appear that the creation, the earth, moon, stars, and all that is within them, animals, mammals, birds, bugs, trees, water, sky, etc., has a life of its own. Oh, you remember, it was back in Luke 19, verse 40, where you remember that when Jesus was descending upon the Mount of Olives, and you remember that as he ascended into this, he descended on the Mount of Olives and ascended into the city of Jerusalem on the donkey, and all the people were laying their garments on the ground. They were cutting palm branches and putting palm branches down on the ground to make a path for Christ to walk on this, or for the donkey that he was riding on to walk on this path. As they shouted out, Hosanna, which literally means save now, O Lord. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And you remember back in Luke chapter 19, you remember how the Pharisees got so mad at those words. They were blasphemous words to the Pharisees, to the religious rulers. Because they were claiming that the one that was on the donkey was God. That he was the coming Messiah. And they were infuriated. And they, re- they told Jesus, they came to Jesus, and you remember this, they, they went to Jesus and they told Jesus, rebuke this crowd, rebuke the disciples for what they were saying. And you remember what Jesus said? He said this, I tell you, listen, I tell you that if these keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. What would a stone sound like crying out? I'm gonna sound. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's probably gonna sound like an earthquake. It's gonna sound like something wild. 
Hollywood does a good job with that kind of stuff, don't they? Stones cracking. <laughs> Indiana Jones, you pulled this thing. Oh, <laughs> what would stones sound like? Well, Jesus says, listen, if these people were to keep their mouth shut, the stones wouldn't be able to hold themselves back. They would cry out. Does that mean that the stones have a brain or anything? Listen, I don't want to get into that. But one thing I do know, Paul references how the whole creation groans and labors. And it start, as I was doing my study on this, it started to make a lot of sense. A lot of different things. In our text today, we're basically told that the creation against its will, you see that right there? Verse 20. It says in verse 20, for the creation was subjected was subjected to futility, not willingly, or the New Living Translation says, against its will, the creation was subjected to God's curse. And so all of creation was subjected to the curse laid down because of the sin of Adam and Eve. <clears throat> Now, I was talking uh, to somebody recently about, and, and I've not been in the service, but I, I remember talking to somebody recently about this. Uh, well, I was talking to my father-in-law, that's who it was, uh, Dick Otto. And, and we were talking about you know him in basic, and as he was in basic training and what have you, he had one guy that, they had one guy in their platoon, I th- if that's what you call it. Is that what you call it, a platoon? What do you call it? Or a company, whatever company company that he was in, you know, that, that the one guy wouldn't bathe. And, and, and they, they would come out and they did their inspection. They'd call him out, you know, in the morning and do their inspection. And, and as the sergeant or whoever would go by, you know, would go by, they looked at this guy, they smelt this guy, and they, you know... As they were there for inspection, what my father-in-law said, we were sitting there for inspection, and they was, it was just one inspection, and if we passed inspection, we get the whole weekend off. They came to this one guy, and because he stunk, because he was not willing to take a shower, our whole company had to stay all weekend long back at the base. I said, what did you do? He said, well, we gave him a shower. We gave him a shower. We scrubbed him. He said, I don't even want to know how you scrubbed him. Did he ever miss a shower again? He said, no, never missed another shower. And, and so here's the thing. It's, it's like the one guy causes all the problems to the rest of the company. Guess what? Human race caused all this problem to the rest of creation against its will. Have you ever been walking somewhere? Think about it. The creation, probably not too happy with us. Yo, got it? You ever been walking somewhere? All of a sudden, out of the blue, next thing you know, you're on your face on the ground? Huh? Maybe you planned a special, special event outside, some social event outside, and all of a sudden it starts to rain? I think creation is going, ho, 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 ho. 
Some animals, you know, some animals have adapted pretty well and have resolved that it's just that this, this is just how it's going to have to be until redemption. You know, dogs are like that. Dogs are pretty cool with it. You know, the dogs are fairly friendly. They've kind of resolved in their mind that it's, hey, this is the way it's going to be until redemption. Cat, you know, others aren't so happy, but cats aren't necessarily like that. Totally. Other animals, not so. You know, wasps, they're mad. Mosquitoes, gnats. Think about it. I'm going to bother you. I think they're all ticked off. Lions and tigers and bears. One person. You disappoint me. (laughs) I remember, you know, quite a few years back when it seemed like various celebrities were getting hurt or, in some cases, dying on ski slopes that... I remember seeing somebody wrote up a, a ransom note with all these comprised various cutout letters pasted to a piece of paper that read something like, if you do not give in to our demands, we will continue to take out one celebrity per week signed to the trees. <laughs> I know, it's a little macabre, but here's the thing. The creation labors and groans for a day of redemption. Even our earth The animals don't even know what it is. They labor and groan for a day of redemption. Our text says that the creation groans like a woman with labor and birth pangs. And for what? It's for the day of redemption. It's for a day when God will set all things back straight again. But not only creation groans, but look what else Paul writes. He says in verse 23, Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is, is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly await for it with perseverance. Let me read it again in in that other translation, New Living. And we believers, same text, we believers, we also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Isn't that true? Do you? Do I? Do we really long to be released from the sin and suffering? We too, Paul says, we wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Now, if we already have something, we don't have hope or we don't need hope for it. But if we look forward to something like our new bodies that we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Do you long for rest? Do do you long for a day when all things are right? When we don't have to snap, crackle, and pop when we get out of bed in the morning? We don't have to explain away the heinous human-on-human crimes that we see in our world today? I'm just, I don't know where we can go in this next year, in our own nation, with human-on-human crimes. I just don't know how much more heinous we can become. I don't know how much more lawless we can become, even in our own nation. Do you long for the day when we don't have to endure another day of mistrust of our fellow man? 
when we don't have to struggle with just just life. It's what Paul it's what drove Paul to write verse 18. You remember, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's what drove him to continue to write the rest of chapter 8. Paul writes, "Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray." For as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Again, in that other translation, and the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Have you ever been presented with an issue in your life or with a situation in life where you're praying and you just don't know what to pray for? I mean, and it's, it's, it's deep, man. It's deep. You just don't know how to pray. Lord, I, 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 I don't even know what to pray. And, and when it gets deep, there's times, probably in every one of our lives, and if not in your life now, maybe someday down the road, I don't wish it upon you. I, I definitely don't. But it may come upon you one day where you're, where you're weeping in your prayer and you just don't know what to pray and you're, you're, you're just crying out to the Lord and you are not making an audible sense of what it is you're praying. You don't know. Lord, I don't understand. Lord, heal. Lord, take them. Lord, do this. Lord, I don't know, Lord. And you begin to groan. I, I believe that at this moment, the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf. Not that he's never not interceding on your behalf, but understand, those times of groaning, the Holy Spirit is stepping in the gap for you and for me. And he is praying to the Father according to the will of the Father in order that the Father's will would be done on your behalf. We've got a great Holy Spirit, gang. The Holy Spirit is there to help us in our times of weakness, Paul says. He's there to help us to pray. He's there to help us when we don't know what to do. He'll pray for us. These are the things that, that Paul is saying. These are the things that are necessary for you to know in life. The sufferings that are going to come in your life, some more than others. But know this, the sufferings that you endure in life, they're not worthy to be compared to, this, to, the, to the glory, the doxa that is going to be revealed in us in that day. Christian, believer, brother, sister, saint, listen, the sufferings are they're bad, I know. But they're not worthy to be compared. And I know that you groan and, and, and you wail in your body, in your, just, in your spirit, that, Lord, I want this to stop. I want this to no longer be this way. And, and, and Paul says, I know, and the creation groans just like you. And one day, you will realize your hope. 
and you continue to pray for this hope because you haven't yet received your new body. You haven't yet received heaven yet. You haven't yet received that place where where you only look forward to heaven, but it's a real place. One day you'll be there. One day you'll attain it. One day you'll gain heaven because of what Christ has done for you on the cross. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of, of heaven because of the problems that are in this life. Because here is the issue. That's what the enemy would want you to do. If our problems can become so big that we pack in God and say, you know what? You don't care about me, God. You don't care about me at all. You're allowing me to suffer and those people over there aren't suffering and you love them just as much as me. What a funny way to show me how you love me. You know, Job. We look at Job. Oftentimes look at Job when we're looking at suffering in life. And we, we look at that and, and we go back and we see that, that God actually was having a conversation with the enemy, with Satan on that day. Where you been, Lord? Where, or where you been, Satan? Well, I've been walking to and fro amongst the sons of men. And, and here's the thing. God says, have you considered my servant, my servant Job? Oh, Lord, if you were to take away the things that he has, he would never serve you. And the Lord allowed it. Why? You can try to, 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 to sift it down to be some elementary school ground competition. That's not what it was. Job is there in, in the, the word of God to give you and I encouragement to know that, that God is never going to leave you and God is never going to forsake you and that God will always be there. There were times that Job questioned, but there was never a time that Job says, I, I deny you. Though the Lord slay me, yet I will not deny him. There's a reason for suffering in this world. There's a reason for it. I, I wish I could say what the reason is, but God knows. We see today through a, a mirror dimly. <laughs> it, it's, it's, like, it's like taking some muddy water and some mud on your hands and wiping it on a mirror and making it really foggy to where you can't see through the mirror and you look at it and you go, I can kind of see, kind of, kind of see. And that's what Paul's saying. Today we see through a mirror dimly as if it's muddied. But one day, face to face, one day the mirror and the mud will be gone. One day, face to face, we will see God face to face. One day we will be in heaven. One day we will go, my goodness, look it. Here it is. This is what it was for. We have to ask ourselves this question in Job's life. I think it's a natural question. It's a question that demands to be answered. Given the opportunity to live his life all over again, would he have done the same thing? Would he have lived the same way? Would he have allowed himself to go through the same thing? 
Would he have chosen that path? No. We never chose, choose our path of suffering, do we? I don't think that if God were to write down on a piece of paper, give you a little piece of paper and say, hey, write down your perfect path of life. I don't think that suffering is going to be on the top of our list anywhere. I think we're going to say, no way. Make it prosperous, make it happy, make it joyful, make my friends, make my family, make me, everybody that I love, healthy, happy, prosperous, loving you, God, never going through issues, never struggling in life, never doing any, and and yet God goes, yeah, yeah, I'm going to take your list. I'm going to just throw in a couple of things here. I'm going to throw a little suffering in here because you know what? What you've prayed for is good, but here's the way to get to that place, and that's through a little suffering. And in some major suffering. But you know what? Here's the thing. When all is said and done, as we look back at Job's life, and if you and I have the opportunity to sit down with Job one day, which I truly believe we would be able to. Job, if you had to do it all over again, would you do it? I don't think Job will even bat an eye when he just immediately speaks out of his mouth. You bet. I'd do it in a heartbeat. I found the faithfulness of God. I found how big God was. I never would have found out how big God was in my own personal life. And I don't know, God allowed me to go through it because maybe I needed to see how big God was. Maybe because I, if I didn't go through that, I would not have been the man that I became because just by by living a, a fruitful life, I wouldn't have become so dependent upon God. I wouldn't have become so dependent upon the Lord. No, I wouldn't change a thing. Job, it's been about 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 years. Job was supposedly the first book, what many believe, first book written in the Bible. Not that it was the, you know, the, the, the five books, you know, uh, Genesis and Exodus and, you know, Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers. Those are, those are, are, are books that, that were written detailing the history but they believe that Job was the oldest book written in the Bible. And what do we see? We see him in suffering. But we see an awesome, providing, protecting God in the midst of it all. Guys, we have an awesome God that is on our side. whatever you're going through in life. Take it away from the face. Take it away from consuming your all in all. Make God your all in all. Yes, the struggle is there. Yes, the issues are there. But know this. All that this is allowing you to do is to see we are living in a fallen, fallen world where the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. But one day, it's going to be gone, man going to be gone it's going to be rest it's going to be peace there's going to be true happiness there's going to be true deep lasting eternal satisfaction and contentment in heaven don't ever give up and don't ever take your eyes off of the prize don't ever take your eyes off of the price because if you do you've been ripped off all of your suffering is for naught all of the struggle in life was for naught you've missed your lesson 
I remember Pastor Chuck saying that before. When God gives you a test, pass the test. Because sure enough, if you don't pass, you'll take it again. By no means is that a threat. And I know, I started thinking about that. It's not a threat. That's just that God loves you more than you love yourself even. And God sees from a perspective that you and I are not understanding at this time. I've got a 16-year-old, you know. Many of you guys know my son. I know some of your kids. I know me. And I know some of you. I've heard some of your stories from you. You remember growing up, you thought you knew everything? At 16 years old, I don't know what happens, but you think that you know how life works. Cold hard fact of the matter is, is that you don't. You don't. Sometimes you have to live through some of those things, some of those failures to learn that, hey, wait a minute, maybe I didn't know. I was kind of one of those kids that thought I knew everything, and later on in life I went back and thought, maybe you can identify, and this resonates with some of you guys. You look back at your parents and you go, you know what? When I was 16, my parents sure were stupid and they were idiots. By the time I was about 25, they became geniuses. All of a sudden, they knew everything. They knew so much. You know what it came through? It came through experience. It came through experience. Because we think we know what's best for our life. I'd rather me, I'd rather you, I'd rather us place our hands in the, our lives in the hand of the Lord on a day-by-day basis and say, Lord, I pray for peace today. I pray for your will. Come joy, come pain. May I not deny you. May I live for you and you live through me. Whatever the cause may be, whatever the case may be, whatever I face today. And Lord, you already know the end of the day before I have embarked on my day. And so Lord, I place my trust in you to get me through and to get my loved ones through and to get my life through. Everything that surrounds my life, I I trust you with it, Lord. I know one day I'll see you face to face and then I'll totally understand it all. Right now, I only see it dimly and I see what your word says to trust you even in these times. I see what Paul's saying right now that these sufferings not worthy to be compared and glory it's going to be revealed and so those things keep me going one day face to face Lord I'm going to understand it all and I'm going to go wow Lord what a magnificent marvelous awesome glorious bright excellent plan you had in my life that you detailed my life out like that my what a loving God you are I don't think anybody's going to be in heaven going you you gave me too much and you didn't give them anything I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think we're going to look at the Lord and we're going to go, Wow. Man, you love me. 
you love me a lot. Thank you. Thank you for holding me up, strengthening my feeble knees, lifting up my hands that were heavy. God, when I didn't want to, God, thank you for seeing me through. It was all worth it. Because, God, you were there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. God, we love you. We love you so much. We thank you, God, that you you love us the way you do. And even though we, in our very finite minds, in our very jaded way of thinking about how things should operate in our life, our own life, when you step outside of our box, we get nervous. God, we're so sorry that we do that. But we do it. We're weak. We're all weak. Strengthen us, Lord, to know that when you are out of our box, then you are fully working. When you're out of our limited box, the box that we place limitations upon you, when you take a step beyond who we are, And you allow us to go through situations in life that we would never bring upon ourselves. We thank you for the man, the woman, the child that you are creating us to be. You're training us to be. And somewhere in life, whether it be in my own personal life or whether it be in someone else's life, God, you're going to use this in such a way that I will be the one hammer or I will be the one nail that you will use to secure someone's faith in you to say, they did it. I'm looking at them. I've seen them. I've watched them. They did it. I can too. Because I'm going to lean where they leaned. They leaned on God. They leaned on the Lord. Even in the difficult days. God, why you choose some rather than others to accomplish that, only you know. But what we do know is that your way is perfect. Your way is holy. And your way accomplishes every single thing that it was ever set out to do. Everything you allow in our life is there for a purpose. May we acknowledge our life is simply not ours, but yours. And trust you to lead this life that we call our own, that we have relinquished to you this this body, this, this mind, this heart, this everything that I am, Lord, to be relinquished to you, to be completely given over control to you. And and then Lord, you guide it, you lead it. You do with it as you want. Help me, God, 
stand strong. Help me, God, to remain faithful. Help me, God, not to deny you. But help me, Lord, to see your hand always holding on to my right hand. How many times in Scripture do I read, you uphold me by your right hand. You hold me by your right hand. God, hold me tight and never let go through the rest of my life because there is a heaven awaiting. There is glory, doxa awaiting, which will never disappoint, which will completely and totally satisfy Thank you, Lord, for men like Paul to write words like this to keep us focused. I don't know that we would keep ourselves focused unless you'd use guys like Paul to do to do this. Thank you, God, for men like that. Thank you, God, for people that have gone through difficulties that we can look on and learn. And as hard as this may be, Lord, thank you for the difficulties that we have endured or that we may end up going through in our life. Sounds awkward that we thank you for that, but Lord, we are thanking you for that because we know if you're holding on to us, it is for a purpose that is well beyond our minds, our comprehension, but Lord, fulfill the purpose for which it was sent for. As an old friend used to say, Lord, let not this suffering go for naught. Let not this suffering go for naught. In Jesus' name, amen.